0: You're listening to Denver Orbit. Episode 14, Displacement.
1: and welcome to Denver Orbit, an audio magazine featuring voices, stories, and music from the Colorado creative community. I'm Ryan Connell.
2: Ryan, were you out super late drinking bourbon on your birthday last night?
1: I was out super late drinking bourbon on my birthday.
2: And I'm Josh Madison. This episode is going to be just a little bit different. We're almost entirely handing over the reins to the Institute of Sociometry.
1: So let's get our normal house cleaning stuff out of the way. All of our stories, like the ones you're about to hear, Come from people just like you. If you have a story, a song, a comedy bit, a juggling act that you can somehow translate to audio, we want to use it. We can even help polish and produce your ideas, so send us what you got to denverorbit at gmail.com. Also, we have an Instagram, we have a Facebook, we have a Spotify playlist. If you like the podcast, you'll probably like those things too.
2: Both of our stories today come from Heather Link Bergman and Peter Miles Bergman at the Institute of Sociometry. They're a group that, you know what? Let's just let them introduce
3: themselves. I'm Peter. And I'm Heather. And we're special agents with the Institute of Sociometry. Sociometry is the quantitative analysis of individuals and their relationship to groups. But with the Institute, we practice and promote guerrilla sociometry, which is similar in focus but doesn't conform to the rigors of science or mathematics. Instead, we use strategies from contemporary art, activism, documentary, journalism but most importantly, pranks.
4: We're gonna read you two stories about our former neighborhood, Sohi. We actually made up the name Sohi, uh, short for South Highlands, after feeling left out of the Soho knockoff naming boom that swept Denver in the aughts. You know what we're talking about, Lohi, Rhino, Sobro, you get the idea. We came up with the name because it's south of the Highlands, obviously, uh, but it's also one of the highest points in the city and with the proximity to the football stadium and the plethora of dispensaries and off-the-book drug dealers. It also has some of Denver's highest people.
3: And both of these stories are about the broader trend of gentrification, but in this particular area, it's really full-scale urban renewal because about 50 to 60% of all of the original single-family houses that were in that neighborhood within the last five years have been scraped and replaced with uh, three- to four-unit, three-story townhouses that sell from anywhere from 450000 to $700,000. And both of these stories are from a book, Is Emancipation, which is an anthology of the Institute of Sociometry over 20 years, and it has 13 contributors, myself and Heather being two of them, and is co-edited by myself and Zoe Larkins, who's a curator with uh, MCA Denver. So let's get right to their story. Individual a baiter.
4: Group size. Eleven
3: individuals fronting vast corporations with hundreds, if not thousands, of additional individuals. This is an estimate as individuals deploy dummy phone numbers and possibly even aliases.
4: Nature of Group.
3: Eddie Maurer, Hunter Henson, Seth Taylor, Benjamin Olson, and a half dozen unidentified agents representing the following corporate entities: Networth Realty, SWT Management, RE Colorado, Move Out, Move On. We buy ugly houses and MD home acquisitions. Incidents? Abater, corporate graffiti abatement service.
4: They buy them cheap and stack them deep.
3: Sohi resident Heather Link Bergman on the developers who are scraping and rebuilding her West Denver neighborhood. The study group is comprised of front men using an off-grid advertising scheme of hand-lettered yard wicket signs in the West Denver neighborhood of South Highlands, or Sohi sometimes masquerading as local yokels to offer cash for houses or investment properties that they will in turn sell to developers. The property investment corporations behind these men are looking to snatch up cheap, single-family homes on large lots. Dozens of lots in the study area have been or are being scraped and replaced with densely packed $500,000 three-story townhouses. Denver added 100,000 new residents in 2015 and is projecting 1 million more residents in the next 10 years. Housing demand is being met by infilling industrial and vacant lots and scraping houses in economically depressed areas to make way for multi-unit buildings. So high, the study area for this report, which includes parts of West Colfax, Cheltenham Heights, Jefferson Park, Halleck Park, and Sloan's Lake neighborhoods, is immediately west of downtown and south of the affluent highlands. A hundred years ago, this part of town was a Jewish ghetto. For much of the second half of the 20th century, until the current property boom, it's been a home to transplants from Juarez. The commercial sections of these neighborhoods, adjacent to the intersection of Federal Boulevard and West Colfax Avenue, are dismal, peppered with gravelly, overgrown vacant lots, B-list fast food joints, flop house hotels, and stucco taquerias. The redevelopment of the abandoned St. Anthony's Hospital on the shore of Sloan's Lake is projected to accommodate an additional 25,000 residents in this neighborhood alone. The new light rail line that parallels West Colfax is driving city planning and increased density in the area. Adjacent neighborhoods are undergoing rapid infill and wholesale urban renewal. Slum lords barely up on their property taxes, and longtime residents looking to cash out, as well as unsold foreclosures from the recession, are feeding a frenzy of property speculation and slapdash construction. A massive duplex is being built on a vacant lot, 10 feet from a Northside mafia safe house that's regularly monitored by undercover Denver PD detectives. A squalid brick row house with five one-bedroom units and toys spilling out onto the lawn is nestled in a canyon between buildings each containing six $450,000 condos that are being nail gunned together in great haste. A longtime resident with a DIY cinder block fence and a large corner lot who likes to daydream 24 packs of Bud Light Limon with his buddies out in front while listening to accordion and polka jams has his three-bedroom oak and brass Barrio Jewel on the market with the house next to it included for $650,000. Yardwicket yard wicket signs used by the front men are a way of cutting through the clutter of traditional advertising and communicating in a high volume cash business where opportunities are fly by night. Some signs have a fictitious persona such as, quote, Joe buys houses as is, or they cut the pretense saying, quote, I buy houses any condition cash, with a dollar sign for the S. Some use industry jargon to reach other brokers and developers, for example, quote, 80% ARV all in. Some of the phone numbers on the signs have people on the other end, the men named in the study group. Others go directly to a voicemail for one of the named corporate entities. These individuals and corporations are all able to buy properties, quote, as is in cash. As is can mean gutted and boarded up with all the copper plumbing stripped out or with a plume of abandoned mattresses and furniture erupting from the porch into the yard buried in snow. Many of the corporate entities named individuals seem to have tenuous contacts to Denver, a satellite office, or a recent transplant with a minimal online presence. Signs list multiple Google Voice numbers with default voicemail greetings. There's Hunter Hansen's almost perfect, unintentional self-parody and or fake Facebook page of ducks-faced selfies and white BMW snaps. Seth Taylor has a confident headshot and a title on his LinkedIn, foreclosure servicing, property preservation, realtor. There's circumstantial evidence of Mr. Taylor having actual residence in Tennessee or Houston. These men are not out placing the signs. That's outsourced to minions. Individuals in the study group comprise a community with its own language, signifiers, and public hand-lettered communications. Not unlike gang or graffiti tags, these signs advertise territory. Six-figure transactions in cash arranged with Sharpies. $500 worth of ad space on the adjacent bus bench for the cost of a $20 blank sign from Ace Hardware. They've developed a method of off-grid advertising by utilizing corporate graffiti. Into this group dynamic, sachets Abater, a Westside Vandal with a lot of flat gray primer. Beginning in late fall 2014 and into spring of 2015, all of the yard wicket signs in the So High Study area have been abated on a weekly basis. This agent has photographed 24 distinct sign abatements. During this time, several broker agents have resorted to fixing signs on wood telephone poles nine feet off the ground, requiring a slight change in tactics, a roller on an extender.
4: And in case you were wondering what a baiter looks like, she's actually a persona or a stand-in for the both of us who work together. She is also super girly, the antithesis of the uber macho street artist. She wears a plastic bunny mask painted primer gray and sashays around in frilly circle skirts and high heels.
3: Abater is a shadowy figure, only posting to Instagram and never adding commentary aside from one 15-second helium-voiced video statement and some hashtag manifestos.
4: Hashtag Abater, Hashtag Declare War, Hashtag Ari Colorado, Hashtag Broker, Hashtag Benjamin #HashtagVandalism Hashtag Fix and Flip, Hashtag Yard Signs, Hashtag Westside, Hashtag Gentrification, Hashtag Denver, Hashtag Corporate, Hashtag Graffiti, Hashtag Vandalism, Hashtag Abatement.
3: An abated sign picture that got a heart from at City of Denver and a comment, hashtag Denver is where it's at, was met with a response that gives us a window into the mindset of this vigilante vandal. At City of Denver, thank you for your comment on my photo. Unfortunately, Denver is no longer where it's at for low-income residents of Jefferson Park, West Colfax, and Cheltenham Heights who are being forced into Lakewood by rapacious property development. We need more affordable housing on the west side, not a race to replace every modest single-family home with four $400,000 luxury townhomes. But yeah, glad you commented on my photo in a baited fix-and-flip sign so we had this chance to talk. Nine months after a baiter first began vandalizing fix-and-flip signs, Iz received this anecdote from a baiter signaling the end of the project. I was confronted in the Walgreens parking lot on West Colfax and Sheridan by a red-nosed drunk house painter who demanded to know where I was going with the fix and flip sign from the store's grass median that I was walking to my truck with. I told him I wanted to sell my house and didn't have a pin to write down the number. He blocked me in with his truck, photographed my license plate, and threatened to call the police. After I asked him if they were his signs, if he had a City of Denver outdoor advertising permit and permission of the Walgreens store manager to place them, he leaned out his window and said, I can find you. I can find where you live. Put the sign back. With an enraged expression and little speckles of spittle forming in the corners of his mouth. I handed him the sign, got in my truck, and started backing up over a landscaping planner to get away, at which point he moved his truck to let me buy. A month later, After noticing that the sign had been returned to its position in the Walgreens grass median, I went back and abated it, but it will be the last. Though I'm not prone to back off due to a threat, this interaction was the point at which I knew the project was over. In an age of anonymity and the internet, the meta drive to do such a project transcends the political or social issue being addressed. At its core, a foray into guerrilla sociometry is a quest for immediate face-to-face social interaction and an opportunity for discussion with a real-life human. Once that encounter happens, whether it's positive, benign, or clouded with threats of violence, it tends to put a punctuation mark on the last sentence of the story.
2: The Institute of Sociometry will be back for another story after our song, and our song today is from some friends of theirs. This is Meet the Giant, and the song is Morning After.
0: Shut so-
1: Neither Giant formed in 2009 has a writing and recording outlet for scene veterans Aaron Sisney, Michaela Haluko, and Lawrence Snell, whose compositions pull from a breadth of post punk, alternative, and electronic influences. Morning After is the closing track of the band's upcoming self titled debut. Look for a vinyl release show in the spring. Until then, you can catch them at any of their upcoming shows, which is February 3rd at Lion's Lair. February 10th at Toad Tavern and March 2nd at Bannock Street Garage and March 11th at Streets of London. Pub. Their show listings and other info can be found on the website methegiant.com or via any of their social media feeds on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram.
2: Now let's get back to Heather and Peter Bergman.
4: Now I'm going to tell you a story about what happens after someone calls the number on one of these signs and their house gets purchased.
3: Individual.
4: A good neighbor.
3: Group size.
4: Undetermined, possibly in the thousands.
3: Nature of group.
4: Longtime residents and homeowners, new residents and homeowners, real estate agents, investors, developers, architects, city and urban planners, Local government officials, demolition crews, contractors and day laborers, local newspaper journalists, and anti gentrification activists.
3: Incidents
4: The Good Neighbors Lamentation Society.
3: It broke our hearts to leave you, but you did not go alone, for part of us went with you the day God called you home. From the Shrine for 3115 West 19th Avenue.
4: Dear friends, we are gathered to celebrate and remember the lives of our good friends and neighbors 1815 Grove Street, 3115 West 19th Avenue, 1925 Hooker Street, 1935 Hooker Street, 1821 Irving Street, and 1828 Julian Street. I came to know these neighbors through frequent walks around our neighborhood as I nodded hello, remarked either to myself or my companion about their appearance or allowed my dog to curiously snip their landscaping, or lack thereof. Over the years, our relationship never grew close, but instead yielded to a comfortable familiarity like that of a good neighbor. Over the years, as new residents moved in and old ones moved out, each neighbor stayed true to their humble beginnings. Sure, some may have added a satellite dish, a chain link fence, a swing set, or a stained mattress over the years to enhance their external appearance, but as their neighbors prey to the whims of fashion, these stalwarts remained true. They may have received a fresh coat of paint from time to time, or not, but they never lost the sense of who they were. Our neighbors were homes where children played, where families laughed, where tuck-pointing went neglected, and yard work was often undone. And they weren't just our neighbors, but they were also part of the larger Denver community who had largely overlooked our neighborhood until very recently. First came the coming soon or the for sale science. Memories of the last recession were still fresh in our community, and we blithely laughed at the idea of our neighborhood becoming a, quote, urban oasis right in the center of it all then came the tiny plastic flags and unintelligible spray-painted symbols in the front yards the previous inhabitants would move out yet strangely no one else would move in next came the plastic orange mesh fences that's when we knew the situation had become pretty dire the new owners investors and developers mostly did what they could to make our neighbors comfortable they removed garbage and glass boarded up windows and and even some terminal cases excise trees but at this point we knew our neighbors were just a shell of their former selves there was nothing more that could be done it was time to prepare for the end just as we shall never know the hour god will call us home so it is with denver demolition crews without warning where once your neighbor stood a home was now rendered unto dust Some feel our neighbors' lives had been lost too soon and believe that their aging bones and sagging foundations still pulsed with vitality. They could see the beauty that was there, even after years of neglect, when others could not. Their grief was raw, but understandable. Some are moved to organize and form movements to prevent future losses. Others accept these losses are just a part of urban life. Others still just complain on Facebook. In these varied reactions, what is universal is their pain. Together, we all grieve. This is why we, the Good Neighbors Lamentation Society, have chosen to memorialize our neighbors. May our memories give us strength, and these shrines bring us peace.
3: And just to interject uh, what these shrines look like, um, we've all seen roadside shrines that are peppered around the highways of the West. And these are similar, but maybe larger, like six feet tall. And they have a placard on them, which is letterpress printed and has an illustration of the home and the date it was built, which was derived from Denver Real Property Records, and then the year it was demolished. And about $60 worth of stuff from Michael's artistically hot glued onto them. So fake flowers, uh, teddy bears, um, would cut out uh, words that said like peace. And they would be put up on the vacant lot within a day to a week after the house was demolished.
4: So in working on this project, I was curious to the real extent of the gentrification on the west side. Was it as uh, profound as I was observing? And so I took a look on Denver's website and found these interesting pieces of information. So Metro Denver's population growth has actually been outpacing national growth rates since the 1930s. So this has been going on for quite some time. And it's projected by 2020 that Denver's population is going to increase from 2.8 million to more than 3.3 million. In this, large tracts of the city are undergoing whole-scale urban renewal to make space for all these new people. And this is especially pronounced on the city's west side. The Good Neighbors Lamentation Society performs services for six demolished houses in the gentrifying West Colfax neighborhood. The neighborhood's rapid change raised many concerns among longtime residents and activists alike. At the core of the controversy is the rezoning and redevelopment of residential lots that result in many older single-family homes being demolished. Concerned residents and activists argue that this wave of redevelopment has threatened the character of their neighborhoods and is erasing the history of old Denver. Developers and let's say pro-growth residents argue that the redevelopment has allowed longtime area homeowners to cash out on an inventory of frankly, unexceptional 1950s starter homes, many of which were in disrepair. The demolition of these structures opens up large urban lots Perfect for building high density, multifamily townhomes that cater to the tastes of affluent homebuyers who are increasingly flocking to urban areas across the country. As longtime neighborhood residents, members of the Good Neighbors Lamentation Society have mixed feelings watching their neighborhood change so dramatically. While our sympathies lie with the displaced residents, and we abhor the slap together, brutalist box like architecture of New Denver, the activists who are decrying change often fail to acknowledge just how run down and, dare we say, undesirable the neighborhood had been for years. And this was often due to the neglect of the very same displaced residents and their derelict slumlords. As artists, we have not sought to make a loud political statement, but instead have sought to create a quiet and contemplative memorial. The purpose of activism is to get the largest number of people possible behind a unified message and to act. The purpose of art is to elicit an emotional response from a singular viewer that may engender critical thinking and pose questions instead of answering them. While the Good Neighbors Lamentation Society was formed to memorialize properties and not prolesticize against change, Our sincerest hope is that all of our neighbors, new and long-term residents alike, are able to have a safe and affordable place to call home.
1: That's the show for this week. If you'd like to learn more about the Institute of Sociometry, you can go to sociometry.com.
2: Oh, and the book these stories came from is called Emancipation. And you can get it at a 40% discount by using the code DenverOrbit, all one word, at purchase. We'll have a link to that site in our show
1: notes. Denver Orbit is written and produced by Ryan Connell and Josh Madison, with Josh doing the editing and sound design. Make sure to subscribe. We'll be back in two weeks.